0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Emboddy. It was kind of a busy weekend for SMU as uh, the Mustangs had a Saturday morning tilt at Temple where they blew a 19-point lead, thus pretty much ending their chances of the NCAA tournament. But... On the football front, they were able to pick it up. SMU landed Stanford defensive tackle Mike Williams, a graduate transfer. We're going to talk about that, his impact on the team. And we're also going to talk about kind of what's next for SMU now that they've got Big Mike on board, ready to come to campus and uh, finish out his college career in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, And we're going to get to all that and more on this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. So let's jump right in. Mike Williams, somebody that has long been rumored to be headed to SMU to, to finish out his his college career. I put my crystal ball pick in on our transfer portal page a while back for him to land at SMU. And he was on campus for one of the bowl practices and I, I briefly caught up with him afterwards. And just, you could tell, he felt comfortable. This was a school that recruited him very hard when Chad Morris was at SMU and really just made their big push for him uh, now that Sonny Dykes is, is, is at the helm and, and using this transfer portal the way he has. And for Mike, it was a perfect fit getting to come home to Dallas to finish out his, his, his college career. Last year, he, pl- he started all 12 games at Stanford. 24 tackles, six tackles for loss, a sack and two quarterback hurries. And really, he's he's played in a ton of football games. He started at all 13 games as a junior, played in 13 games as a sophomore, redshirted his freshman year over there um, in, at Stanford. And for for Mike, this is somebody that, with what SMU lost in the trenches off of the 2019 roster, this is a perfect fit. He can step right in for for the likes of Demerick Gary, Zach Abercrombie, Chris Biggers, Pono Davis, all the guys that they lost in the middle of that defense, he can step right in for. And when you look at SMU's roster now in the middle, this allows, again, I think some of these younger players to continue to develop. Terrence Newman, Elijah Chapman, Harrison Loveless is coming off of an injury, so you don't necessarily know what he's bringing to the table. And I think when you look at the, the defensive line class that they added, you've got some versatility. Guys like Devere Levelston, um, their, their defensive uh, uh, tackle addition uh, with, with Junior Ajo who could play inside. And I think for me, watching them add somebody like Mike Williams, it kind of settles the waters on that defensive line a little bit where you can still rotate you you've got terrence newman you've got harrison loveless who they love and he's coming off of that torn acl that he suffered before the season elijah chapman played a lot as a true freshman and then you've got depth with darren brown shabazz dotson that are still developing still kind of coming along and then what we've seen from from kevin Kane so so often is on those third down packages moving players like delante scott inside well they have players like that, that they can do that as well with Turner Cox. I feel like Toby and Duckway could be that guy for SMU this year in the middle. So overall, this was as big of a need, I think, as SMU had uh, off of this 2019 season in terms of what they needed to replace. And they and they get it in in Mike Williams. So a, a real big credit to Randall Joyner, to Sonny Dykes, to Kevin Kane, but also a shout-out to Blake Brockermeyer. You know, he his sons go to... Uh, Fort Worth all Saints and you know you can tell he he had a long-standing relationship with Big Mike as well and, and kind of helped facilitate this on that front as well so I think just the whole staff did a really strong job getting in on Mike Williams early once he announced his transfer he was on campus when he was home for winter break really really quickly so he got to be around the staff he got to tour the facilities get the plan from from, from Randall joiner for him and he's going to get to Get a great graduate degree from SMU. So this is a huge pickup for SMU. Now, what's next? I think with the staff missing on uh, Walk, Walcott, uh, the junior college cornerback on National Science Day who ended up at Baylor, they want to address the the secondary in some respect. I think they feel really good about linebacker. We saw that Richard Moore got his six-year approved, or excuse me, Richard McBride got his six-year approved. Sonny Dyke said they're still working on the application for Richard Moore. They haven't submitted yet. But he's somebody that really fits the mold of exactly what a six-year is all about. He was injured early on at Texas A&M, and then he had that injury that uh, cost him pretty much his entire 2019 season. He only played in four games, so he's the perfect fit to end up being uh, somebody that they'll get back for another year. And then you've got Delano Robinson, Shane Haley, uh, working with them, Preston Ellison, JC Rispres, Jimmy Phillips, Brian Holloway have all played a lot of football as well. So they'll be, they'll be on board and, and then uh, the rest of the defense, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how things go. They'll, they'll move guys around. I have a feeling. I, I, I don't think Trevor Denbo's set in stone at safety. I think with, with Chevin Calloway and, and Chase Cromarty, and then Donald Clay and uh, Roderick Robertson, Playing the, play the way that they uh, have, uh, at least coming up in the program, they'll get some looks at safety. That'll allow them to move Trevor Denbow around and kind of figure out the rest of that secondary. They do have Brandon Stevens, Justin Guy Robinson returning, and, and Armani Johnson. Uh, those two starters, and Stevens and, and Johnson on the back end, should really emerge, I think, in their second years as starters. So that'll be good for SMU. And then you've got younger players like Terry Keys, Sam Westfall, coming off of uh, redshirting early in their careers, and and fitting into the, into the back end there as well. So defensively, I think there's still some things for SMU to figure out on the back end, mainly kind of where guys are fitting, uh, where they're going to end up uh, playing. I think, especially when it comes to players like Trevor Denbo, Cameron Jones, people like that, and and. Getting that settled in spring ball will probably be at the top of SMU's list um, over, over the, the course of spring ball. Um, so overall, a big pickup for SMU uh, to get Mike Williams on board. And um, you know, one thing we haven't really talked about is kind of the finish for SMU on National Signing Day uh, with, with the 2020 class. I thought... They did a pretty good job. I mean, Brian Massey, I think, is somebody that's going to impress some people. From talking with some some people on staff, they think he's going to run really well this spring and kind of make a lot of people that overlooked him say, ah, we missed on that one. Potentially comes from one of the best defenses in the state of Texas, and they feel like he's going to run really well in in track and field this spring and and put up some uh, really solid numbers that will figure to make him somebody that can – compete i think he needs a red red shirt year to get bigger stronger all of those things but overall he fits very well in what what they want to do from a cornerback's perspective uh, and then junior ajo i am i think out of anybody on the defensive side especially in the class that i'm excited about for smu is junior ajo and what he's been able to do from an athleticism perspective he's versatile he's 6'3 255 you can tell he's a, a big dude that can really, really run, and just you know, watching him post some of those workout videos where he's doing pull-ups at, at New Mexico Military Institute out there in in Roswell, he's he's strong. And getting him with Kaz over the summer, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being in that two seventy range. Being able to play inside, being able to play strong side defensive end, uh, he was a terrific pickup. And look, while while SMU missed on Walcott and and Savion Williams, the wide receiver out of Marshall, this is a Terrific class for Sonny Dykes and and their staff. They they finished number two in the conference in average recruit rating, and once again for the second straight year, set the SMU record on twenty four seven Sports for average recruit ranking uh, rating, I should say. So a really good twenty twenty class. It doesn't look incredible nationally in terms of uh, overall ranking, eighty one overall and six in the AAC, but. When you have a small class of just 15 players, but then you start factoring in Mike Williams and Ty DeArmon, uh, the former Arlington Bowie standout, who's who's going to get on, who's already on campus working out with the staff, I feel like they've already addressed needs pretty well. Up next, I mentioned addressing maybe somebody on the back end with with another defensive back. I feel like SMU that's a premium position for them, where they feel like they can never get enough of. And then we'll have to monitor and see. Will the staff add a running back? I think one thing I've picked up over the last couple of weeks is just how high this staff is on T.J. McDaniel, on Ulysses Bentley, and their ability to take over for Xavier Jones, for Kamen Freeman, and, and step right in and really produce and be what this offense needs in the backfield. They like Tyler Levine a lot. He's a former walk-on that really can carry the load. He's a, he's a big, big guy. Um, And you saw him get some carries against USF and and what he can do to Williams Can he maybe figure it out one day and emerge? So they like their depth there at running back I I do think a graduate transfer is still a potential for SMU at the running back position But I don't think it's something that's necessarily set in stone. So look right now SMU in the dead period able to kind of reset For 2021 now, they had a really solid group of of players on campus for the two junior days that they had at the end of January and then the Super Bowl party. And then in March, they'll get going with spring ball uh, ahead of the April 18th spring game and start hosting guys on campus again and getting guys around. I think that's when you'll start to see the 2021 class pick up. I kind of thought maybe you'd see somebody go public with a commitment at the Super Bowl party. But much like we've seen, With Sonny Dykes and this staff, they want to make sure that players are ready to go and and they don't want players taking other visits, still wanting to official elsewhere and do those types of things. They want players that are ready to be Mustangs, ready to say, look, I'm ready to make that commitment and be done with their recruiting process. It worked out very well in the 2020 class. Every single one of their commitments that they wanted stuck and signed early. I think that's really impressive. The one was Raylan Sharp. He didn't sign early. And then before you know it, his spot was uh, taken. So a uh, great job uh, by the staff on the 2020 class. And and just looking ahead to 2021, you can tell there's a lot of excitement and a lot of positivity around the program and, and what they're going to be able to do with that class. So uh, we'll cover more on that on another podcast now that we're back and getting going with these. I'm sorry. It's kind of been a little bit of a layoff because i would just been froggy and sick and all that kind of getting through the, the last uh, push for National Signing Day. So really didn't want you guys to have to listen to me. But I'm back and bringing you guys uh, at least one, hopefully two podcasts a week, especially with basketball going on. But uh, we're going to talk about basketball on the other side of this break from the Pony Stampede podcast. So if you don't want to hear about that, you can kind of turn it off from here. But uh, we're going to kind of break down the Temple game, and, and kind of what's next as SMU looks to hit the reset button this week and and try to get back on the, the right side of things with with Tulane, or excuse me, with Connecticut coming to town on Wednesday and then Saturday, uh, SMU hosts Houston. So we're going to break that down on the other side of this break from the Pony Stampede podcast.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
1: Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Big shout out to everybody who subscribed to Pony Stampede over the course of that National Signing Day run. We had a lot of people jump on board looking for that intel, looking for that scoop. So it's been great. Uh, Again, just continuing to roll. And now with our eyes set to 2021, we'll start rolling out kind of some board resets, kind of where things could go, some offers that could go out, things like that. As they uh, look to kind of finalize who their priorities are going to be in March, April, May, as those official visits get going uh, in the late spring, and and try to bring guys in that want to be uh, SMU Mustang. So SMU blows a 19-point lead at Temple, ends up going to overtime and loses 97-90. A total gut punch, a total breakdown uh, from SMU side of things that you just I you just can't recover from. I mean this this team's NCAA tournament hopes are dead in the water. I don't think I'm saying anything that's shocking to anybody and, and look if you if you listen to the broadcast and you listen to, to Joe Lenardi break down kind of where SMU stood uh, in his eyes and his his, his bracket and his chances it wasn't very good going into the Temple game, and 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 now that they ended up losing at Temple, that really, really, just it just ended their NCAA tournament hopes. I, I don't think there's anything any doubt about that. Uh, I thought Kendrick Davis fouling out was kind of the key uh, to to losing that one because he was he had a great game, twenty three points, ten assists, and. Look, once he fouled out, there was just no hope for SMU. And he did so 25 feet away from the basket and, and not in a good position. And then from there, uh, Temple just smelled the blood in the water. Quentin Rose had a tremendous game uh, with 25 points. And um, Alani Moore made some big shots. Monty Scott, Nate Pierre-Louis, they all they all were able to to make enough plays to overcome the 19-point deficit that they were, they found themselves in, and and then uh, ended up, uh, you know, getting the win over SMU. And I think this game just, I think it shows where where things are at for SMU more than more than anything. And and look, they they get UConn at home on Wednesday, who just beat Cincinnati, so that's not going to be easy. And then Houston always is. Is a difficult task, but as for, for as far as what's next, I mean one one thing, and I was asked about this by a couple of people offline. Is is will will SMU make a change mid season? And, and look, they're not going to. I don't think that's how this program is is run uh, from the top. I do think that now more than ever, the the heat is up uh, on Tim Jankovic, and 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 with a loss like that, it's kind of indefensible that 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 Temple team. Wasn't a tremendous Temple team, um, and and you saw that for you know, about sixty percent of, of the game, and 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 SMU didn't take advantage of a game that they very well should have won. I mean, just on paper, they should have won that game. A, a team that was five hundred coming into it, three and seven in conference play, played a tough schedule during the non-conference and and really challenged themselves, uh, and then. In conference play, it just really hasn't gone very well. Now, um, you know they did beat a top twenty-five team in Wichita State earlier in conference play, and they beat an ECU team that that beat SMU one of the two times they played. But that's just a game that you can't lose when you're trying to make at least in SMU's eyes an NCAA tournament push. I think it was SMU's one of SMU's last chances at a uh, at, at a quadrant two road win, and and now. You look ahead at the schedule, and all the big games are at home. You got you got Houston that I mentioned. You got Tulsa, uh, who's kind of gone up and down now. And, and you know, it, it's just uh, it's not in a good spot right now. And I think we knew that going into this year, if you followed on Pony Stampede, that this team won in non-conference play, really had to have a strong showing and still wasn't able to get certain wins under their belt that really could have helped them. They had the blowout loss at Georgetown. They lost to Georgia in overtime, um, and, and then they opened conference play with two straight losses to ECU and Houston. And I think that kind of set the tone for how this thing was going to go in in conference play. And, uh, you know, looking ahead at the schedule now, you've got UConn, which is probably a toss-up at this point. Houston's another loss, I would say. Uh, Tulane, you, you don't really know. SMU was able to take care of them f- fairly easily. Um, but but again, I mean, they should have taken care of Temple on the road. They'll, they'll face Tulane later on in February on the road at Tulsa, uh, a team that uh, they haven't faced yet um, in conference play. And uh, then, you know, they kind of they, – they've got Wichita State as well uh, at home and Memphis at home, and you don't really know what you're going to get with those two teams. So I, I think – for SMU one this team goes as Kendrick Davis goes when he's not out there on the floor things really get dicey there it's not it's not pretty when he's not out there and I think we saw that at Temple once he fouled out and even the times when he was taken out of the game you know fairly briefly uh still logged 40 minutes things just kind of got awry uh, at times I do want to say CJ White has been playing really well I think he was somebody that A lot of people wrote off, including myself, before the year. But he's really finishing strong, at least so far. Um, And then it it just – this whole team has the talent. And I think you can see that in spurts. And when they get out to big leads or they they are really rolling, and and especially early on in the game, you you thought, okay, they're playing this well. If they can continue to string this type of performance together for 40 minutes down the stretch, they're going to have a chance to – maybe break into the NCAA tournament somehow, especially with how up in the air the conference is. But it's just it's over. The, the, the run for SMU to an NCAA tournament is over. Uh, their, their NIT seeding probably took a big hit with that loss as well at Temple. So it's, it's uh, gut check time for SMU. They've got two home games to really maybe right the ship a little bit and see kind of where things go from there. But look, if they, if, if they were to drop these next two, UConn and Houston, I, one, don't think there's any chance that Tim Jankovic returns. And, and I really think for this program to get back on level footing and to start trending back up, they've got to make a change at the head coaching position. And I think it's apparent to anybody that's watching that there are certain situations there are certain times when this team just doesn't look very well coached uh, i think one of the biggest things that stands out to me is the the lack of development for fran hunt and what he really hasn't achieved since being on campus he's a really talented player he's a good kid but what has he done over the course of his career so far to make you think that he's going to trend up and trend into the player that everybody thought he was going to end up being coming out of DeSoto. And it's kind of sad. And I think he's the kind of the poster child of of lack of development in this program. Now, on the other hand, CJ White has developed into a very nice option off the bench for SMU and somebody that has been playing at a really high level as of late. But will he kind of come back to the mean and come back to kind of what he's been at times throughout his SMU career? We'll have to see. But overall, uh, this team is in a bad, bad way. And and I think that loss at Temple really shows that uh, more than anything. So uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I think everything that I could say is is probably you're probably already thinking you it's probably already out there to an extent as well, but, um, just a horrible loss for SMU over the weekend and, and one that, you know, even temple I I thought would win it in regulation and then didn't SMU fought back. So credit to them to force overtime. But then from there, just too much temple, too much Quentin Rose, a 10 of his 25 in overtime as he had a a terrific finish to the game. And, and that was kind of that. So, um, Look, I don't think the nail is in the coffin just yet for Tim Jankovic. I, I just when the when you look at the the decisions that have been made about retaining him after last year, and the the group that he's gonna have back next year, they're not gonna graduate anyone. I do think they'll make changes with this team if if this staff is still around. I think they're gonna they're gonna be more aggressive and really understand what, that they can continue uh, to need to make changes like they did with the roster turnover they had uh, after after last season in terms of bringing in guys like Tyson Jolly, Kendrick Davis, um, all those types of guys, and, and Darius McNeil. But if they lose these next two at home, I would say there's a change that's coming. And I, I would say there's very little doubt about that. So we'll be tracking it on Pony Stampede, of course. And we'll keep you guys in the loop on what we hear and, and kind of how this thing might play out. But overall, especially with the way Sonny Dykes has the football program trending, I, I've got to think that puts a lot of pressure uh, on Tim Jankovic and his staff to have this thing finish at least as best as they can. But NCAA tournament chances out the window outside of a, a winning the AAC tournament. So with that, guys, going to wrap up this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Just kind of getting back into the groove of, of the podcast game uh, with, with uh, the – sore throat and and just the cough and everything like that it was pretty pretty brutal uh behind me now so um hope you guys enjoyed it we're gonna have a lot on pony stampede this week kind of resetting things for 2021 um and then starting to get into spring ball previews it'll it'll be here in less than a month with smg getting back on the football field as well so hope you guys enjoyed this pod and hope you guys have a great rest of the week okay picture this